It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them all? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. I welcome you once again to another estate planning essentials, strategies, complications, program, whatever word you want to use to apply. This is a program that is carefully seeking to protect your family, your assets, and you. My name is Don Crawford, Jr., the grateful owner of KWAM Radio, and I'm sitting with my friend, who should be your attorney, and his name is Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you. How are you? Doing mighty adequate. I'm my, there he goes, the mighty adequate thing again. I don't know what that means, but that's that's <laughs> basically positive, right, right now? Uh, sort of. Okay, great. Uh, I don't know what a lot of things mean these days, but I'm going to go with positive, and I'm glad you're at least mighty adequate. MC is MA, and we're going to leave it at that. Today, Michael, we want to talk about that not dubious phrase, but just a lot of people don't know what it means. And a lot of people make mistakes, even though they've employed that, using that in their estate plan or other strategies. And that is what we call the powers of attorney. And there are a lot of people, there are a lot of things that people don't think about that are not included in those. Yeah. You know, first of all, we're going to talk about financial powers of attorney, uh, as opposed to medical powers of attorney. They're different. Uh, If we you know, medical power of attorney is who makes medical decisions for you, basically, if you cannot make them for yourself. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to focus today on, of course, powers of attorney terminate on death, by the way. Uh, I'm going to focus today on financial powers of attorney because everybody, always, clients always say, well, my power of attorney covers everything. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Even if they have a statutory power of attorney, it doesn't cover everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I say statutory, so the state legislature has a form power of attorney. Mm-hmm. Now, for, a power of attorney, again, deals with your assets. So if you want to sell a house, you want to sell a car, you want somebody to sign a contract, uh, you could have you could appoint an agent to act on your behalf during your lifetime. That is the financial power of attorney. Um, Now, the power of attorney, again, terminates on death. Does it mean it's effective immediately or spring upon disability? In Texas, you have a choice. Either way, it could be effective immediately or spring upon disability. Now, most clients think that they want it to spring only when they become disabled. But most attorneys, I'd like to think, would say uh, we would want it, if it's somebody that you trust as your agent, you want to make it effective immediately. And if they start doing something that's rotten in Denmark, well, then you could always revoke the power of attorney. Okay. Now, the power of attorney, by the way, if you ever have real estate, 
We talked uh, on uh, last week's show about ladybird deeds, which, by the way, as we talked about, uh, you can do with a financial power of attorney if there's extra authority to do that. That means gifting authority and the ability to create the ladybird deed. Whereas if you just have a, a just as a, a real estate transaction, some title companies may say that that is inadequate. Uh, so there's on the uh, so let me clarify on what a statutory power of attorney is. Mm-hmm. Often you'll see there's a laundry list of different things that uh, refers to the statute. So, for example, it would say estate and trust transactions. Now, you might think, and then there's a, it refers to the statute, and the statute goes to all these different estate and trust transactions. It, doesn't give the author- it deals with existing trust. It didn't give you the authority to create trust. Uh, let's say it said real estate transactions. So there's a paragraph that says sell, lease, convey, hypothecate, mortgage, assign, all sorts of different types of real estate transactions. So each one of those laundry list items mentioned on a statutory power of attorney refers to the actual law. So your power of attorney may be five or ten pages longer than you realize because it goes through, when you refer to the law, it goes through all this uh, different things that each uh, line deals with. Okay. Now, I've just mentioned a couple things that a statutory power of attorney does not cover uh, indirectly because I said on the trust transactions, it deals with existing trust. It doesn't give the authority to create a trust. Mm-hmm. So let's say you have a will and you lost capacity, but we wanted to avoid probate for some reason. Um Maybe it's more likely that there'll be a will contest because it goes by will and there'd be notice to some beneficiary that was cut out. Maybe it'd be easier to have a revocable living trust. And so, uh, or maybe there's something else that needed to be transferred quickly and we didn't want to have to go through the probate process. To be able to do that, it said only dealing with existing trust under the statute. So you may want the authority to create a revocable trust. Or there could be other types of trust. You know, in the Medicaid world, uh, if your income exceeds a certain level in year 2022, uh, it's $2,523 for long-term care Medicaid. If your income exceeds that level, then you're ineligible for Medicaid unless you create a qualified income trust, also known as a QIT or formerly known as a Miller Trust. Well, if bank looks at the power of attorney and and if they're sophisticated enough, they'll say, well, unless you have the authority to create a trust and the statutory power of attorney does not, then we're not letting you open up a bank account because there's no authority. You're exceeding your authority. Interesting. So uh, I get questions from different attorneys from time to time that say, hey, can I represent a bank. Can we open this up with a statutory durable power of attorney? I said, well, actually, the answer is no. Now, a lot of times you go to different banks that don't know the law. Right. <laughs> and so that's what, end up, what ends up happening. Mm-hmm. But the reality is there's lots of different types of trust. We talked about, uh, I think, a couple weeks ago on different transfers, and we talked about all sorts of different trusts. We uh, mentioned a sole benefits trust, for, which is not often used for somebody who's on disability. Uh, there are special needs trusts. So let's say somebody, uh, the person signed a power of attorney, and they became disabled before age 65, and they wanted to have immediate uh, coverage. Uh, or maybe they were already 
whatever they disabled and were inheriting something uh, and they lack capacity uh, later on, uh, we would might want to create a self what's called a self-settled first party special needs trust. Well, again, what did the statute say? Deal with existing trust. It didn't give the authority to create trust. So now we've talked. You know, so there's. You know, so often you get a question from somebody. How much is a trust? Well, how much is? A, I'll ask them. Is how much is a car? You're right. You know what? It, really, there's lots of different mm-hmm. types of cars, mm-hmm. and a lot of them have different bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, in my world, there's lots of different types of trust. And so, we may, even though your situation may not be a need to create a trust now. It could be at a later date. So if you do that, you have to have one of these hot powers. They're called hot powers uh, to give the authority. And you actually, we actually put a separate, we actually have a full page of different types of trust and say, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this one, you could do this type of trust, et cetera, et cetera. And then you put your initials before that if you give the authority to the agent to do that. So uh, the ability to create trust because... Things change in lifetime. You know, people only think about what happens when you die, but a lot of times people become disabled. And when they do, this is a – in fact, the whole power of attorney is, in my mind, a cheap disability insurance document. Mm-hmm. If I should become disabled, this is the authority that I give people. All right. Um, well, the second thing that I already mentioned to you was, you know, we talked on last week's show – about with Lady Bird Deeds. By the way, if you didn't hear last week's show and you want to hear uh, any show, we have podcast on our, on our website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com, and they have all sorts of different topics. We never know. I mean, there all these shows we did, we try to come up with different things from time to time, uh, all the time, uh, but some things are... we. You know, we probably talked about powers of attorney on prior shows, just like we talked about ladybird deeds on prior shows. Mm-hmm. But the uh, but most of the time, we a lot of times we come up with something new and different. In any event, you could listen to all sorts of different things on the podcast if you're interested by looking at the website DallasElderLawyer.com, uh, and we have kind of a description, especially if it's this year or, or maybe a little bit sooner, but we have a description. So if there is something that's of particular interest, even if it's not today's topic, that you may want to listen to it uh, if you are so inclined. Great. Anyway, um, so um, – uh, the power of attorney, again, it's effective during lifetime. We just mentioned that to a if you have in the power of attorney, you could on behalf of the as the agent on behalf of the what's called the principal, the one who signs the power of attorney is called the principal. The one who's the one acting on your behalf is the agent. Okay. And, of course, you should have alternates. And uh, also, one of the extra things that we put in there, by the way, is if there's somebody, uh, let's say that there's a lack of agents, and uh, then we want to have the ability to substitute or delegate. It reminds me of a story, and this is an actual case, of a 90-year-old who we had signed a power of attorney. Uh, He had two children. I named daughter as my agent, and I named my son as the alternate agent. Two years later, I get a call from the daughter. I got a problem, she says. What's that? 
Well, Dad now lacks mental capacity. Mm. He may have had the early stages of dementia. And remember, we talked about it on a prior show. We looked to the capacity. Is there sufficient capacity to even execute to sign the financial power of attorney? He did then, but he does now two years later. His, his, his dementia has declined. Well, um, she said, I got a problem. Dad no longer has the capacity to execute or sign a new power of attorney. My brother has died. He had cancer, unfortunately. And I'm going in for surgery, and I don't know if I'm going to make it. And so there's nobody going to be left. And Dad, I don't want uh, to have somebody have to seek guardianship when you don't have a power of attorney. You have to go through the process of guardianship. Somebody has to be in charge, and that means attorney for him, attorney when seeking guardianship. It may be another attorney uh, trying to, if there's a fight over who should be the guardian, uh, every time you sell something, you might like a property, you may have to get court approval, uh, you have to have an annual accounting. Uh, it's a pain. Sure. <laughs> it's a pain, and it's a lot of expense, whereas the power of attorneys pretty inexpensive. Right. It's cheap disability insurance. Well, anyway, I said, don't worry. She said, why is that? I said, well, we gave you the authority to delegate somebody if you couldn't act. So we appointed a grandchild. Right. Now, it turned out she turned out okay from the surgery, but we had just in case because we put that extra power, the power to substitute or the power to delegate. We gave those powers in the the extra hot power, the extra additional power, the extra power, it's not in the statutory durable power of attorney. So at the again, from the in, in the planner's world, you have to think about the bad. We, you look at the worst case scenarios. You don't look at the way things are right now. So if your relationship goes south with that agent, I think you, you could, called you, broke, them, broke you can replace them at any time. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then it's just a matter of two. Now, if as long as you have capacity. Now, if you don't have the capacity, oh. then you got a problem. Dad. But okay. if the fiduciary starts doing something, uh, you know, wrong, well, there could be liability. But if, you, could, if you don't have capacity, then that train has left the station. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you could try to seek guardianship if you think something is – somebody could seek guardianship. Okay. So there's another document, so since you asked that question, mm-hmm. called Declaration of Guardian in the Event of Later Incapacity or Need. So I'm glad you asked that question because it reminds me of another story. And this story is where dad had chosen one daughter as his agent and another daughter as the alternate. Well, mm. a couple years later, uh, uh, the, the one who was named as alternate said, Dad would have wanted me oh as the agent. She, he would have wanted me to take care of him and his money. Mm-hmm. So... They go to court. And from what I understand from the, um, the one who, was, who came to us later, the, the one who was named as the principal, uh, said, oh, I have spent $175,000 in legal fees in fighting my sister so far, and I expect to spend another 50000 That's the cost of litigation. And how much you you know so often I'm not a litigator I'm a lover not a fighter but you know the, litigation is expensive and so a lot of times people just settle just because the cost of litigation mm-hmm. and so we usually have this one or two page document it's pretty basic uh, that says if I ever need a guardian I want so and so and if there's somebody you don't want you could say and I don't want so and so. And that's pretty much it. Mm. The title of the document is longer than the document itself, I think. 
Declaration of Guardian of the Letter of Competence or Need. All right. Well, so I'm glad you asked the question because that's a one of the basic documents. A lot of times basic documents I consider, even when my kids turned 18, I had them sign you know, a will. Some people have trust, but the kids don't have anything, so to speak. So uh, a will or a trust, uh, financial power of attorney that we're discussing here today, a medical power of attorney who makes medical decisions for you if you cannot make it for yourself, a living will, which we call a directive to physicians. That is the pull the plug instrument, the one that says, okay, if I'm going to die within six months, let me die as gently as possible. Or if I'm in a persistent vegetative state, you know, don't keep me alive. So uh, that's a common thing. And a HIPAA, the ability to have access to medical records even after you die. So, um, you know, on I think we talked about last week, we were talking about a little bit about Alzheimer's, and we were mentioning about the uh, unfortunately, the the husbands uh, was very concerned about his wife. We're all at the facility, and she couldn't really discuss what her uh, issues were because of her demented state. Um, she at we think while at the facility, somebody had done something terribly wrong, hmm. as she had broken a humerus, and nobody mentioned it to the husband. Now, whether she fell or if there was some sort of other trauma, something that happened is not known at this time. So what did I say? Use the HIPAA to have access to the medical records. I remember once we even had somebody where their food was supposed to be pureed, and they, then all of a sudden he died, and we asked the facility through the HIPAA to find out the medical records, and we found out that they had given him chicken with a bone in it when he died oh, as a result. So a HIPAA is even the access to medical records of whomever you want uh, after, you know, either during life if you lack capacity or even after death if you put those provisions to, for it to be good after death. So we do what's called a unit, what I call, this is my own term, it's not legal term, a universal HIPAA. I don't care who you are, healthcare provider, I give these people the authority to have access to medical records for X amount of years after I die. Well, anyway, so that's a basic document as well. Uh, and then we just mentioned the Declaration of Guardian, the Ventilator, and Compets are Need. Sometimes there's other documents, by the way, like, um, uh, you know, I had somebody yesterday that wanted cremation. So we wanted to have disposition of bodily remains. Who's in charge? Who could do cremation? Otherwise, the funeral home's going to have to get the permission of, let's say, kids or whoever the closest relatives are. Mm -hmm. So disposition of bodily remains. Sometimes people have out-of-hospital DNRs. Uh, that's, you know, if the paramedics come to the home. So mm -hmm. the living will takes place, let's say, you're in the hospital. The out-of-hospital DNRs, paramedics come to the home. And say, hey, if I'm stop breathing, uh, don't use any heroic measures. Uh, some people have digital assets. Uh, in any event, uh, in your power of attorney, that's another thing that's uh, included uh, nowadays. It didn't used to be until about five years ago, I guess, that digital assets uh, are now standard even in the statutory power of attorney. Right. So, uh, so now, as you see, as culture changes, there's going to be different things, uh, digital assets like cryptocurrency, maybe online accounts, perhaps Facebook or Twitter and having to deal with the social media. Mm -hmm. So as culture changes, laws change. Mm -hmm. And so uh, this, our state legislature about five years ago recognized that. Uh, and so they added that to the standard 
statutory power of attorney. We had actually put it in prior to that because, uh, well, I mean, we saw that. So we add, you know, we add these extra things. That's what we were, this whole show is about is adding, do you want to add extra things besides the statutory language? So before they had digital assets in there, we put a paragraph. All right, we give the agent the authority to deal with digital assets or the ability to create trust or the ability to delegate. Or is in the Medicaid world, uh, a lot of times, or public benefits world, we want to be able to do some different transfer planning, not just the Lady Bird deed that we talked about earlier, which is which also is a in effect a broad gift. It's more than the annual exclusion. What's the annual exclusion? Sixteen thousand dollars a year. So a lot of times you'll see in financial powers of attorney the ability to make gifts of up to sixteen thousand or whatever the annual exclusion is. By the way, in year twenty twenty three it's anticipated to go up to seventeen thousand dollars. A lot of people used to remember uh, about 10,000, mm-hmm. and then it's gone up 11, 12, right. 13, 14, 15, 16, and next year it'll be 17,000 that you could give each year to one to a person uh, without reporting to the IRS. You can make a gift of more than that uh, by filing a gift tax return. That is the one who makes the gift, mm-hmm. the principal in this case, or the donor. Uh, in this case, uh, would be the one that's responsible for it. That's you know we've talked on prior shows that it used to be that there was no gift tax, uh, and the reason why there was no uh, there was an estate tax. So the Rockefellers of the world, or whoever it may have been at the time, were reducing the size of their state by making gifts to a lower generations, so there'd be less of an estate tax. Congress saw that and they said, "Okay, we see what you're doing," and so we're going to have a gift tax. For a while, uh, it was wasn't unified on the amount, and sometimes it is unified, sometimes it hasn't been unified. Right now it's unified. It's, that means that the amount that you give at death is the same amount that you give during life without there being a gift tax. Got it. And th- these are all gifts. Michael's education is a gift. Uh, this power of attorney concept, fact, is a gift, and it's nationwide, so everyone has a right to a financial power of attorney, as Michael's discussed. What is also a gift is Michael's free workshop. And I want you, Michael wants you, everybody, I think, wants you to attend his next workshop to make sure you're current. Michael mentioned that legislation was passed five years ago regarding digital assets. Well, but things changed five days ago, five minutes ago. Life is so fast these days, and everybody's up to something, changing this, changing that. So are you current? Are you prepared? Is everything the way you want it to be? To make sure, to ascertain that it is, we need you to attend Michael's next Estate Planning Essentials Workshop, which is Thursday, November the 3rd at 10 o'clock. And Michael, please tell everyone about that Estate Planning Essentials Workshop. Will we ask people what they want to know? It could be about estate planning. It could be about powers of attorney. It could be about uh, wills. It could be about trust. It could be about various types of trust. It could be about public benefits. It could be about... um, Who knows? Every workshop is different Mm -hmm. because the questions are different. And what we do is I I ask people, what do you want to know? And then they tell me their questions. I write them down. And then we have a presentation. uh, And then I'll either answer the questions immediately or somewhere during the presentation. And certainly before the end of the two hours of that free estate planning essentials workshop that has 
uh, no obligation. Uh, I think you're going to learn something and have some fun along the way. Uh, and so we answer your questions. And then even if you go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, we also give you what we call a one-hour vision meeting where you have another question time to look talk to me, this time one-on-one or with your family, whichever way you want. Uh, And then we go through your specific questions and uh, answer those questions or look at your existing estate plan, see if your goals are being met to take care of you and your loved ones the way you want in your own terms and conditions, uh, whether you're disabled or upon your death as easy as possible. Uh, Whatever it is that you may want to have discussed, we'll discuss. It could be about uh, the, you know, Medicaid. Who knows? We never know. Well, to go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, all All you have to do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102 or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. And you'll also, like I said, you can even listen to different podcasts. You could, uh, you could, you could, you'll see a lot of different information there, and share uh, the information too with other people. Oh, sure. When you download yeah, the podcast, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so be sure to do that. Michael, about two minutes left. Um, quick question: Why would someone not have a power of attorney? Don't well, you think uh, they're a panacea for everyone? The only thing I could think of is if they don't trust anybody. Okay. If they yeah. don't trust anybody. Well, then they're just going to have to go rely on the courts to determine who that should be trusted. Okay, that's sad. Well, occasionally you will find people who do not trust anybody. Mm. Either they don't have any family. It doesn't have to be a family member, by the way. They just don't too much family. They don't trust anybody. Well, that's true. And some people say, "Have you seen my family?" You know, right? (laughs) So uh, uh, usually that's the time. And a lot, or if they, you know, have a small family and they just that person is disabled or has on their own issues, Mm -hmm. so they just don't have anybody that they're comfortable with either making those financial decisions, uh, or they just don't have anybody that they trust. Uh, so usually it's advisable, of course, and that everybody, it may be, it's, it may be m- more important to have a financial power of attorney than perhaps a will because as we live longer, the, long, the more likelihood of disability, and we should, if we do trust somebody, give that authority. It's something basic I think everybody should have. My two daughters, when they turned 18, I had them do sign this, as well as those other basic documents that I mentioned earlier. So I think everybody should have them and answer your question, but occasionally some people don't have anybody that they feel comfortable with. I'm sorry to hear that, but I guess I'm, I shouldn't be surprised that that will happen with some individuals and they don't have anyone. We want you in the meantime to remember these dates that's Thursday, November the 3rd, and Saturday, November the 19th. Those are Michael's next workshops. We also want you to remember this Saturday, November the 5th, when Michael walks to try to find, to help find a cure for Alzheimer's. It's Michael's Marchers. He is the chair of the Dallas chapter of the Alzheimer's organization. And um, we congratulate him again for that. It's well-deserved, very meritorious, and not surprising at all. But we want you to sign up and walk this Saturday right here in Dallas, Texas. Go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that. For Michael's workshops, we want you to sign up for those as well by going to DallasElderLawyer.com to go to the workshop on Thursday, November the 3rd at 10 o'clock or Saturday, November the 19th at 10 o'clock. 
So go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com, or just do it the old-fashioned way and dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102. Our Dallas Elder Law Attorney, Michael Cohen, I thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. Leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.